good evening, everybody. Wonderful to see you all this evening on a Saturday night. Amen. You know, they, they, they cheat by putting the title on the screen. I should wait until I reveal it to you. You know, amen. So last week we had the Holy Spirit Fire Conference and the Lord moved so powerfully. We had such an awesome time. And on the last night of the conference, I said to you that there are actually a couple more symbols of the Spirit that I'd like to do with you. But there was one in particular that I really didn't want to leave out. And that's the one we're going to talk about this evening, which is wind or breath, really. More breath than wind. But actually, the Holy Spirit is, has many symbols in Scripture. And I, I don't want to make this very clear that We're not saying the Holy Spirit is a wind or is a fire. You know, we're saying that these are the things, these are expressions, these are symbols. Like in the book of Revelation, there are many symbols that are very hard to understand. And unless you understand what those symbols represent, it's difficult for you to get the full picture of what God is trying to say to us. So the Holy Spirit is symbolized in several different ways in Scripture. We see that clearly. What I also want to say, and I think this is important, is that, you know, you know, don't ever get bent out of shape and say, well, that is actually fire of the Spirit, not water of the Spirit. But the truth is they all come together. It's one Holy Spirit. You know, so He can be like a rushing mighty wind. He can be a, a, a river of living water. He can be like a fire that falls on a sacrifice and changes that person's life inside out and upside down. Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit is all of these things. And there's oftentimes sort of descriptions or symbolisms that sort of cross over each other. But it's amazing in Scripture how you will find out that they, they overlap but work together and to give us the full picture of what the Lord wants us to see and understand. Amen. Yes, if you guys can just help me with the gain, the gain is very high. And then if I shout, everyone will be deaf, and that will be bad. <laughs> okay? Amen. So, let's get into the Word. Amen. Are you guys all okay this evening? Amen. All right. It's a little windy. You know, isn't that funny? It's windy and we're talking about the wind. Amen. That wasn't planned, just so you know. If you can think it's a coincidence, that's okay with me. I don't mind. All right. So we've taken a look at several symbols already. I don't want to go into them, but each one is extremely powerful. On the very last night of the Holy Spirit Fire Conference, we spoke about the Holy Spirit as a symbol of a dove. And really, I believe what the Lord wants us to fully grasp out of that, there's much more to it really. But one thing we must understand is that the Holy Spirit is easily grieved. And we could see clearly from Scripture that a lot of that grieving that takes place is something that takes place often because of what comes out of our mouths. We grieve the Holy Spirit by what we say, And the reason why that happens is because when we do that, we know that life and death is in the power of the tongue. But also at the same time, it does reveal what's actually in our hearts. Amen. 
How many times do you hear people say, well, you know, I'm just so glad that God knows my heart. And that's when I go, yep, that's right. He knows your heart, brother. The Bible says the heart is deceitful about all else. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it but the Lord? He's the only one that really knows. Your own heart will deceive you. So that's why the thing you have to protect more than anything in your walk with God, obviously is you, your relationship with God is the most important thing. But the one thing that will interrupt or disrupt your relationship with the Lord is your heart. That's why above all else, protect your heart. Protect your heart. Protect your heart from hurt. Protect your heart from these things. Because it's when your heart gets into a state of, of, of you know, badness, for lack of a better word, what ends up happening is that that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. But He's not happy. He doesn't want to necessarily, he doesn't enjoy hanging out with you in, in that time. And how many of you know, if, you, if you've been in a relationship and, you know, your partner doesn't really want to be with you, they don't want to talk to you or anything, it's not fun. I don't want to have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that with God. I don't want to have that type of relationship. Amen. So we saw that. Tonight we're going to talk about the wind of the Spirit. I want to start by giving you a description in Scripture, the word Spirit in the, in the Hebrew is the word ruach. And the word ruach means breath. It means wind. It means spirit. So oftentimes in Scripture where you see breath or wind, it means spirit, but most certainly not all the time. Sometimes when you see the word wind, it is the wind. And sometimes when you see the word breath, it is breath, just breath. But there are times in Scripture where you will see the word breath or wind and it represents the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, we see the word pneuma, and the word pneuma is also spirit, wind, and breath. So there's no, there's no confusion there. It's clear. The Bible says that God is a spirit. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So a spirit is like a breath, like a wind. It's not something that you can see with your physical eyes, but it most certainly is a living entity, a living being. All spirits are living beings without a body. We could, we could have a long conversation about that right now. All right. So let's go to Genesis 2, verse number 7. We'll start there this evening. Genesis 2, verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Let's stop there. So God created, He forms man. He gives him His form out of the earth, out of the dust of the, of the ground. And at that moment, there's no evidence scripturally that he was alive yet. And the Bible says that he breathed into his nostrils. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So right at the beginning of man's creation, we see as God forms man out of the dust of the earth, the first time we see life enter man is when God breathes himself into man. So God, who is a spirit, breathes into man. And man takes his first breath and becomes alive. He becomes a living soul, the Bible says. He gets filled with life. The first time we see God breathe his spirit into man, that's what gives man life. The spirit 
is what gives man life. Are you with me? So God breathes His breath, His Spirit into man. And man suddenly out of the, out of the dust just, just, just like formed, God forms us and He breathes into us and we get life. That's the first time we see the breath of God. Now God obviously speaks to the earth in creation and he, everything He does and everything He forms, He forms by words, by speaking, which in itself is like a, like a type of breathing. Because every time God says something, how many of you know there's air, there's breath coming out of Him, which causes things to come alive? But the first time we see man come alive is when God breathes onto man, into man. He breathes into man, and man suddenly comes alive. So what, we, what keeps us alive is the air in our lungs. How many of you know that? It, when we die, the last thing that leaves us is our breath. So when God creates man, in order for man to become alive, he has to breathe into him, and man gets his breath and wakes up and is a living being, a living soul. We know that in Scripture, we see how when, when Adam and Eve sin in the garden, the Bible says that they realize that they're naked. And most scholars will teach that at that point, that's when their spirit is no longer really alive anymore. You with me? So let's jump to the New Testament. John 3, verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he's having a conversation with him. And Jesus says to him, listen, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. This, you must understand, is freaking out Nicodemus because their theology says as long as you're a Jew, you're going to go to heaven. You know, they, 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 some scholars actually write, I was reading some of the commentaries, and one of the commentaries said that actually they believe Abraham is at the gate to make sure that all his descendants make it. Now that's obviously, you know, that's, you know, literature and things from the past, but we, that's not, there's no biblical evidence for that at all. But that's what they believed. They believed that they were covenant children and that every single one of them would make it into the kingdom. Jesus comes with this radical statement and says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he says, listen, this, is, this, this doesn't make any sense to me. He says, are you trying to say that now I'm an old man, I must be going to my mother's womb and be born again? That's impossible. But you see, what Nicodemus doesn't realize is that they're already dead. He thinks he's alive, but actually he's dead. Are you with me, guys? Because Jesus is about to, to bring a new dispensation to his people. Something is about to change. What had become dead because of sin was now about to come alive again. So Jesus goes on and says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This represents two different things. First, we talk about being born of water. 
Some scholars believe this is talking about baptism. I believe that could reference baptism most certainly, but no question about it. It could also reference actually being born in the womb. How many of you know, though, when you are born in water, you are in water again. When, when you get baptized, you're born in water again. You come out and you're a new creation. So there's no, no question that the two are extremely related, but most certainly seem to somehow point to more of a physical reality. Now watch. He says this. He says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So he's saying, listen, you can be born of water. And when he's talking about flesh here, he's talking about the natural birth and possibly even, you know, repentance from sins, possibly that as well. But then he says, you have to also be born of spirit. Now, this was foreign to Nicodemus. He didn't understand what this meant at this time. But Jesus is teaching one of the foundational doctrines for new believers. That when you get saved, you get born again. When you get saved, you come alive for the very first time. And the way to be born again is you have to be born of spirit. Amen. You have to be born of spirit. You must be born of water and of spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say, that I said to you, you must be born again. Now watch. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a wind. He, he, you can't necessarily feel or see where He goes, but you can see the evidence of Him in trees. You can see the evidence of Him, like when we have a hurricane, the evidence of that wind, you know that wind has just come through town. Amen. The Holy Spirit is just like that. He comes and He goes and He moves and He's like a wind, like a breath. But when He comes, He changes everything. When the Holy Spirit comes, what was dead can come alive. The whole place can be almost like reborn. Even when there's a devastating storm, after that devastating storm where everything has been wiped out, everything is birthed again out of it. Are you with me? So he says, listen, you have to be born again. Now remember, in the beginning, in order for man to live, what did God do? He breathed on them. Jesus says to Nicodemus, in order for you to be born again, in order for you to enter the kingdom, you must be born of, of water and you must be born of the Spirit. What's so amazing, and so many people miss this, is that Jesus gives us an example of this in Scripture. What must I do to be saved? The first thing that should enter your mouth is I must believe. In order to be saved, I must believe. I must believe that He is the Son of God. I must also make Him Lord of my life. Are you with me? But when you give your life to Jesus, the moment that you are born again, something happens to your spirit. Something happens to you on the inside. You at that moment are reborn. It's like what was dead, what was, was, not, what was not awake at all. The Bible says the world doesn't know the Spirit because it doesn't know Him, it doesn't see Him, it, it can't know Him, but you know Him. Because you're born again, you recognize Him. Are you with me? Now watch. Let's go to John 20 verse 19. John 20 verse 19. Jesus 
has died and has risen from the grave. He has died and risen from the grave. And he's appeared to several of his disciples. Not necessarily the 12, but to some of the others. Mary Magdalene, the two men on the, on the road to Emmaus. He's, he's encountered several of his disciples. And they are still in shock because of what has taken place. Now watch. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Oh, this is so good. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Now, Jesus, you've got to kind of imagine this because this is awesome, okay? They are afraid that Jesus has died. They think that, he's, that, they, that they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be hunted down, that the Lord hasn't risen. Like they thought he, they, didn't really, they actually didn't really know what was going on. To be honest with you, they didn't know what was going to happen. They were afraid. Suddenly appearing in the room is this being. And he looks like Jesus. And he sounds like Jesus. And the first thing he says when they see him, because you can imagine all of a sudden, everybody's freaking out. So the first thing he says is peace. Peace. And then he talks to them some more. And they begin to recognize who he is. And all of a sudden, something happens to them. They see that this is the Lord. This is the one that went to the cross. This is the Savior that they walked with. This is Jesus, the Messiah, and He's standing before them. What's happening to them? They, something happened. They didn't believe before, but now they what? They believe. They believe. And straight after this, as he says to them the second time, peace to you as the Father sent me, I also receive you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Come on, somebody. He breathed on them. You see, in the beginning when God created man, in order for man to become, listen to me, a living soul, not dead. Anyone who is not saved is the walking dead. But when you are saved, the same thing that happened right in the beginning happens again. The breath of God breathes on the inside of you and your spirit man is born again. That's what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes and He lives on the inside of you. Uh, you know, you guys are all just too clever. That's the problem. He's a wind. He's... His air, His breath, He gives life. You don't know where He's going to come from. Sometimes He just appears out of nowhere. You'll be having a conversation and he, and he appears in the room and you can sense His presence has come. But it was suddenly that He comes. So many times He comes suddenly. But I don't want you to miss the power of the fact that the breath that enters into you at salvation is what God's original intent was for you. That you would be breathed into. That life would enter you. The Spirit of God would enter into you. And you would become a living soul. Your eyes are supposed to go open. Your ears are supposed to go open. And everything is supposed to change. 
everybody say, but there's more. There's so much more. You see, in the Old Testament, there's an incredible story about the people of God. And God takes one of his prophets and he shows them dry bones. The, the bones represent people that had sort of like been destitute, that lost their way, they were dead. And the prophet is told by God to speak. Watch this. Ezekiel 37, verse number one. Then the hand of the Lord came upon me. This is the prophet. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. And it was full of dry bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. He sees this pile of bones, a vast valley full of dry bones. You must remember that when he is about to speak, he is speaking over the nation of Israel. Spiritually, that represents the church today. You see, you might be in covenant with God, but you also need life. You also need breath. You also need purpose. Are you with me? Now watch. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause, watch this, breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Now he's giving them a prophetic word through the prophet. So the prophet is now about to do what he's commanded. He's speaking to people that know the Lord, but it's prophetic. It's for the future. It's for something that will come. Are you with me? So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Everybody say noise. Don't forget that now. When the word of the Lord is released, when you speak, when you prophesy the word of the Lord, oftentimes there will be a noise. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly, when the Holy Spirit is breathed on something that is dead, I want you to know that suddenly that thing can begin to come to life. You see, you may be in covenant with God. You may have His breath on the inside of you, but there is a lot more necessary for you to fully come alive, for you to enter into the purposes and the plans that God has for you. There must also be an awakening that takes place in your life. And the Holy Spirit is not something that you need only one time. You will find throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit comes upon His servants multiple times, especially in the New Testament.
So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them over. And there was no breath in them. Also, he looked to me, prophesied to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may live. You see, many times in your walk with God, you may have entered into covenant with Him. You may be born again. But what happens is you begin to walk and it feels like your walk with God has become dead. And what you need is you need fresh breath. You need a fresh wind of the Spirit to come and reawaken you, to set you on fire again. Are you with me? What's really interesting about this is that in order for this army to come together, the Bible speaks about different bones and sinews, different parts that come together, different things. I want you to know that the body of Christ is just like that. The body of Christ is moving parts, fingers and hands and toes and ears and mouths and different parts that has to come together. And there has to be somebody that believes that the Holy Spirit is wanting to breathe on the body of Christ again and that the Holy Spirit is wanting to awaken Awaken and equip and alight the, 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 the body of Christ again. Listen, he prophesies the first time and the, and, the, and the man is built, the man is standing there, but he says this, he says, but there is no life in them. There is no life in them. So I prophesied as I was commanded and breath entered them and they lived and stood up on their feet an exceedingly great army. Listen, if I, man, I could preach this. Let me tell you. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, watch this, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. And the Bible goes on and talks about a mighty army that stands there, a mighty army that stands in front of, in front of, uh, of the prophet. And I, I want you to understand, yes, this is a picture of Israel, but symbolically can also represent the church. Listen, times when we get persecuted, times when we, when we, when we, when, when something goes wrong, how many, of the, how many of you know that many times like that, it feels like we're defeated or like we're not taking any ground? But God is saying that the way for us to be reawakened is for breath to come upon us. The Bible speaks about how God is looking to and fro on the earth to find a man, to find someone that will be able to stand. How many of you know the Bible says that that the enemy comes in like a flood, but the Lord will raise up a standard against him. When you study it and you look at it from all the different angles, there's no question that the standard is speaking about Jesus. In order for us to be able to fully take a hold of what we need 
to do for the king, we have to, yes, be on fire. Yes, we need oil, but we also need that breath of the Spirit, that breath of God to bring us together, to equip us to, to fight for such a time as this. And I'm going to say that again, to fight for such a time as this. The body of Christ is an army. So yes, the Spirit of God will come and He will breathe on you when you get saved. He will breathe into you, really, the breath of life. Just like at the beginning, you become born again. At this juncture, I want to say something. In Scripture, we see impartation through different ways. One way is the laying on of hands. It works. Okay? Throughout Scripture, we see prophesy and breathing also. There is no question that when Jesus blew on His disciples, He gave them the Holy Spirit. There is no question that when you blow on someone and you have the Spirit, you blow His Spirit onto them, into them. Come on, come on, somebody. Hello. Well, it's not in the Bible. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He blew on them, gave them the Holy Spirit. Listen, brother, I've done deliverance. I blow on that demon. You must see how that thing freaks out into a whole new dimension. It might not work for you, but it works for me. Don't do that. Don't do that. What you don't understand is when you, when you are in a spiritual battle, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities. and When you are in a spiritual battle and you have entered into that dimension, when you're doing deliverance, brother, you aren't anymore in this dimension. If you're going to fight the demon in the flesh, guess what? You're going to lose. But in the spirit, there is one thing that I can do. I can use my breath. I can speak to that spirit. I can take authority over it. And when I say, Father, send fire onto this demon, what do you think happens? Fire comes down. When I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority, I bind the Spirit. What do you think happens? He is disallowed. What is disallowed in heaven is disallowed on earth. That's why when I pray, I don't say in my name. I ask in the name of Jesus. I ask according to His will. I activate what's already available from heaven right down here on earth. And the way to do it is with your mouth. You speak. You declare. That's why when something goes wrong, I want as little negativity around me as possible. I don't need your life, your words of death. I want people around me that have faith. I want people around me who believe. I want people around me who will speak life. I want people around me who have the breath of God in their lungs that will speak to that situation, that will declare the Word of God to that situation. That's why when Jesus went with His disciples, he said, to, he said to His disciples, He said, get everybody out the room first. Get those that are crying and weeping, get them out the room. I don't need that kind of faith in here. He took His two that were on fire. He said, now let's begin to pray. And as He began to pray, and He begins to speak, and He begins to breathe, so the power of God is released. Now, so we see that in Ezekiel, the wind, the breath is like raising up an army. 
So not only do you get born again when the breath enters you, but you are also equipped and empowered for your purpose with that breath. Let's go to Acts 2, verse number 1. Acts 2, verse number 1. The disciples had already received the Holy Spirit when Jesus blew on them, right? He tells them to go to Jerusalem and to wait. Now watch what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. What happened with Ezekiel? Suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly, the atmosphere changed. The wind blows where it wants to. And it arrives when it wants to arrive. Are you with me? The Spirit comes as He wills. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So this wind enters the room. And the Bible says, and it says this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That wind came in there, and we know the tongues of fire sat upon each of them. They were ignited with the Spirit. But what I want you to see is that on the day of Pentecost, we see two expressions. Not only fire, we see wind as well. Why? Because what was spoken, what was prophesied, what Jesus said to His disciples would happen, had to come by breath, by word, by what He spoke, and was released and came and filled that room. And what happened to those disciples, what was normal before, was no longer normal anymore. What had no purpose before, now had purpose. They were filled with the Spirit. They were filled by that breath of the Spirit that came into that room. For what? For purpose. To become that army. Just like Ezekiel prophesied, that there would be a mighty army that would rise up. But somebody had to believe it. Somebody had to do it. There had to be a standard that came against that enemy that came in, that rushed in like a flood. And that standard was Jesus. He did it. He paid that price. Not only would we become born again, but He would also breathe His breath on us and His fire would come and sit upon us and we would go out as an army. Are you with me? To fulfill the works of God. Come on, guys. This is actually pretty powerful. Now watch this. When Peter gets up and he starts, to, he starts to explain what was going on, he quotes this, Acts 2 verse 15. He says to those who are watching that are shocked, he says, these men, he, said, he says, Acts 2 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is, this is that that was spoken, everyone say spoken, by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servants and on my, on my men servants and on maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. How do you prophesy? With your what? with your breath, with your mouth. 
And the only way that you can do that is if the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you. The only way that you can do that is when His breath is in you. And you speak what He speaks. You say what He says. You, you declare what He declares. You give life where there's no life. That's why, as the body of Christ, it is so important that you are cautious of what comes out of your mouth. Because you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And most of you in this room have had Him come upon you more than once. So you have not only been filled with the Spirit for rebirth, but you have also been empowered by the Spirit. Like on the day of Pentecost. Listen, Jesus said to His disciples, before you think you can go do anything, before you wait, before you go, He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. A Christian that has not been empowered is born again, but he has not yet received that empowerment. He has not yet received that fire that has to come upon him. Are you with me? Listen, if the disciples that walked with Jesus needed it, how much more us? How much more us? Now, if you've never been to the e-course, better come on Saturday morning. Amen. We'll talk all about this. But I want you to see that that breath, that wind of the Spirit, is one of the most beautiful expressions of the Holy Spirit. Because you can be going through all kinds of difficult things, and suddenly that breath will breathe on you again. And when it comes, it brings life, it brings refreshing just like rivers of living water. But rivers of living water seem to come from the inside, whereas that breath seems to somehow come from the outside. I can't explain how that works because the Bible says the wind blows as it wants to. It comes and goes as it wants to. But I've been in services many times where everything is normal and suddenly the atmosphere changes and it's like a wind just came into the building. And that wind, when it arrives, when that presence comes, when the Spirit blows in like that, and fills the atmosphere, what normally happens is it brings renewal. It brings revival. It brings refreshing. So the Holy Spirit is most definitely a wind, a breath, that comes and causes you to be born again, but also comes and breathes on you to equip you. That's why when He entered, listen, do you think the Bible just decided it was a good idea to say the Holy Spirit came in like a wind? No. Every word is perfectly placed in its position with absolute meaning and intentional to teach us just how powerful it is and how everything flows all the way from the Old Testament right into the New Testament and beyond. We could talk about this for hours. How the Holy Spirit comes and breathes on you, fills you up, renews you, makes everything whole again. I remember I went through a very difficult time many, many years ago. Many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> many, many, many. Okay, you got it. And I remember writing a letter to Pastor Harold, my pastor, who's been my pastor since I got saved. He'll be here in April. And when I... <clears throat> 
Okay, amen. So, okay, so anyway, so I was writing the letter. And I was saved, guys. I was serving the Lord. But it felt like the it felt like that breath that like that it felt like I was like a dry bone. I felt like a dry bone, like there was no breath in me. And as I wrote that letter, I was on a plane flying back from Chicago after doing one of the biggest deals for my company. I'm writing the letter. And it's like I'm listening to worship music, and all of a sudden there was this the presence of God was there again, just like, like always in the past. It was like all of a sudden there was just this renewal that took place. Like the Holy Spirit came on me. I was on the plane. I'm beginning to weep. The aerostess wants to know if there's something wrong with me. But I was so grateful. I was so thankful that that moment took place again. That that refreshing, that renewal had taken place and he breathed on me again. And it was like everything that I thought I'd lost was not lost. It took me a while to, to understand that, that God's nothing like us. He's just so awesome. But I want to tell you something, that you are here for a reason. Every bone, every joint, every part comes together and forms the body of Christ in order for us to go out and truly do what the Lord wants us to do. But there has to be someone that will prophesy. There has to be someone that will speak into the atmosphere the wonders and the works of God. There has to be someone that will look and see what God says concerning a city, concerning a family. And they have to speak His words. They have to speak His heart or His word concerning something. That's why the Bible is so intentional about prophecy. It actually says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you will prophesy. Because what's available to you as a believer that has the Spirit of God on the inside of them can speak life into something, into someone. I have seen more miracles prophesying over someone than laying hands on them. Healing miracles. Physical healing miracles. I've prophesied that healing and not laid hands on them and they were healed. Because I was able to see what he was showing me. And all I did was, that's why he says, the prophet says, listen, Lord, you're the only one who knows. So tell me what to say. And then he says, now prophesy. And speak it. Speak life, guys. To your family, breathe life into your family, breathe life into your business, breathe life, speak life into your neighbors, into your neighborhood. Listen to me, speak life into Vero Beach. Amen. I remember when I got to Vero Beach, I truly believed that God was going to save the city. I believed it. And the first thing, I think it was either the first or second service, the first time I prophesied from the platform, what came out, of, what came out was this, is that the Lord said that you will no longer silence my voice. 
some people don't even believe God speaks anymore. Where the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds, that's not past tense, out of his mouth. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not God. I mean, we, that's a fact. But he's most certainly speaking. The question is, what are you speaking? Are your words lining up with his? Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? Are you with me? And when your words line up with his words, that's what we call the sword of the spirit. The rhema word of God, when his word becomes alive in you and you begin to speak it. The Bible talks about a two-edged sword because when that sword comes out, it's God's breath and your breath. My breath, yes, your breath, you pampuni. Your breath is very important. He covenants with you, puts his spirit in you, and you want to tell me that you are worth nothing? You are valuable to him. He has tabernacled with you. What will you breathe upon? What will you speak to? And what will you declare? Amen. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. We will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. So there's a summary of the wind of the Spirit, the breath of the Spirit. How from the very first time God spoke, He breathed His Spirit the Holy Spirit, into man and caused him to come alive. Then Jesus restored that after his resurrection by once again breathing into man. Isn't that powerful? Then, on the day of Pentecost, his breath came down again, his spirit came down again, and tongues of fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit. And the church was birthed in that prayer meeting. And man, they went all over the planet from the north to the south, the east to the west, and changed the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, this evening, We are so thankful for your breath, for your spirit. You have breathed life into us, Lord, the day we gave our lives to you. And you are continuing to breathe on us all the time. I pray, God, that everyone in this room would have that desire to hear your voice and to speak what you say concerning every area of our lives, God, personal lives, family, friends, business, school, whatever it is, wherever we are, God, that we would speak your word concerning these things and we would dare to prophesy life to what seems to be dead. That's why even in our own nation, the United States, Father, where many speak death to America, we speak life to America. 
we speak restoration and healing to this nation, that you will rev revive the church in this land, God. We pray and prophesy to the breath. We prophesy, Lord, that you will, you will cause a standard, Lord, like, like when Jesus came, you will, you, will, you will stir up a church that has passion and zeal and fire, that desires your works, your ways, Father, to walk with you all the days of their life, to be hungry and thirsty for your presence, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come even tonight into this place and that you will breathe life into dry bones. Individuals that are here this evening, that Father, that are struggling, that have felt that their walk with you has gotten to a place where they feel like a dry bone, that tonight you will give them times of refreshing, that you will fill them with your Spirit again, Lord, that you will renew them, that you will strengthen them. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, Ruach, breath of God, come and fill this place this evening. We honor you, Father. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you, God. Thank you for every precious person in this place this evening, Lord. So if you've come here this evening and you say, Pastor Alex, I've walked with God for a long time, but I feel like I've become like a dry, a dry person. And I desire that breath, that refreshing of the Holy Spirit to come upon me. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up so I can see where you are. Don't be afraid. Hands going up all over the place. Amen. Can I ask you, if you've raised your hands, don't be afraid. Quickly come to the front so I can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Come. Come. Come quickly. Amen. 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 Let's stretch our hands out towards them this evening. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for these precious souls that belong to you, God. Living souls, living beings, God, that you have breathed into and given life to, Father. I thank you for their lives. I thank you, Father, for for the plan and the purpose that you have for them. I pray, God, tonight in the mighty name of Jesus that you will fill them afresh, Lord. Not only, Father, not only with that wind, that breath, but also with fire, God, like on the day of Pentecost with those disciples of yours, that you renewed them, that you strengthened them. In the name of Jesus, just keep just stay in this atmosphere right now. You guys are worshiping the Lord. Just cry out to Him right now. Holy Spirit, just fill them up. Not by might or power, but by Your Spirit, Lord. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There He is. Just fill them up. 
just let them, Lord, let, let breath into them, let life into them. Sometimes when we're serving the Lord and we're busy with the things of God, the works of God, sometimes it's hard to get to the God of the works that we're working for. So this evening, just be refreshed. Be refreshed. Be made whole. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, just receive.
Amen. Can we give the Lord a clap? Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Jess, Jessica, Jessica, you will have to pass your baby to your husband, please. <laughs> Can you do that? Is that okay? Yeah. Come, Cheyenne. Come, Mike. just come and stand here with us. In the name of Jesus. Anointing. Fill Touch her, God. Touch her, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And this young man, Father, fill him up. Fill him up, God. Now, I prophesy to you. I prophesy that you will run and not grow, grow weary, that you will fulfill every word that has been spoken over your life, and that that the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. I cancel every evil word. I cancel every negative word, every word of death. I cancel now in Jesus' name. I break the power of the enemy off you now. I speak healing. I speak restoration. I speak destiny. I speak purpose. Father, I pray that you will use their mouths in the days that lie ahead to speak your word. Father, that you will use them in, in, in a mighty and a powerful way. Lord, I come against every strategy right now of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray this night that you will breathe life into them again, into both of them, God, that you will breathe life, restoration, healing in the name of Jesus. I ask God that you will bring total deliverance over this house in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, I pray, God, that you will do a miracle. You will do a miracle for them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here right now. And I pray, God, that you will touch them this evening with fresh fire, with fresh zeal, with fresh anointing. Lord, that you will breathe on them tonight in the mighty name of Jesus and that you will refresh them and strengthen them, God, that they can run this race, that they can finish it strong and they can do it together in the mighty name of Jesus. Now I speak this over you in Jesus' name. Take it now. Take it now. In Jesus' name, take it now. Take the whole thing. Take it all. Take it all. Take it all. Take it all. In Jesus' name, take it all. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You can take your seats for just a moment. We're going to close in just a moment. Amen. Amen. You know, on Tuesday, Monday night, (laughs) there was a moment where the where the, where the glory of the Lord entered this place, where the presence of God filled this place so strong. I don't know if you can remember that moment. It was so powerful. That is what I desire for us so desperately. Amen. For you guys, that you will experience that glory, that presence when the, the Spirit comes in. It was amazing. One of our staff was sharing with us how very often... You know, there's a lot going on in the front of the church, but not at the back of the church. You know, and that's no, that's not criticism in any way or anything like that. It's almost like, you know, the heat's at the front and not in the back. But she said that when she went to the restroom, she came back, she said it was like the people in the back were weeping and encountering the Lord in such a powerful way. That's what happens when the glory, when the presence comes in that way. It's just the whole place is saturated and filled with the presence of God. That's my desire for each and every one of you that you will encounter His glory, that you will encounter His presence. That's not, that does, that's not something that can come from a person. That's something, that's not a gift. That's not a, an anointing. That's, that's when the Lord just comes into the place with His manifest presence in a very powerful, very, very powerful way. It's extremely beautiful and extremely powerful. And as a pastor, that's something that I, like, I desire that more than anything for, for the church because I know what happens to people once they experience that. It's one of the most powerful manifestations of God when His glory comes into a place and He fills that place like that. And it just, you know, it's like I say, it doesn't matter where you are in the building, you can experience it. It's so powerful. You don't have to be prayed for or anything like that. That's my desire for each and every one of you is that you will encounter His glory, that you will know Him, that you will walk with Him. Are you with me, guys? That's my desire for you. You know, there, there is a... There is a deeper walk with God that we can all enter into. And I pray that for each and every one of you. I pray that for myself. I desire more of His presence, more of His Spirit, to know Him more, to walk with Him more and more every single day. That's my desire. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We honor You. We worship You. I pray this evening for every person. And to the sound of my voice, not only in this building, but those watching online, God, that times of refreshing will come from the Spirit of the Lord, from the presence of God. Lord, that you will touch people in profound ways, not only here in this building, but also in their homes, Father. When they're driving in their vehicles, listening to worship music, that you will fill them and encounter them, God. While they wake up in the mornings or late at night before they go to bed and they spend some time with you, that you will encounter them, Lord. That they will begin to see their children seek you, God, and be amazed and how the young people, the children, begin to desire you more and more. We are so grateful for what you've done this last week at the Holy Spirit Fire Conference and continue to do here in the church every single week, week after week.
We give you thanks. We give you all the glory and honor. We love and worship and praise and adore you, Father. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one of you. Go in his peace and may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Amen.